I have some follow-out, some important follow-out for the show. Long-time analog listeners will remember mine and your discussion about a Twitter white whale. Mm-hmm. This was an individual that we both had in our heart of hearts that we one day wished would grace us with a follow on on Twitter, that they would be interested enough in us that they would follow us. And we both had our white whales, but we never shared who the white whale was to save that person from ever having to hear it or be bothered by it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, such and such person says to such and such person, oh, hey, you're Casey's white whale. Right. And then that person has to then understand what that's all about. Well, uh, on Dubai Friday, episode 92, you shared your white whale because... And to make fun of Merlin, Max and Alex, uh, because Merlin has stepped away from Twitter for a while, they created an audio version of Twitter for him (laughs) in which you uh, told Merlin and the rest of the Dubai Friday uh, Powder Nation Mm -hmm. that you, uh, your white whale was Merlin. That's correct. I cannot fathom why you did that. And also what I liked about it, as Merlin mentioned, and you did, it made it sound like Merlin had died and that you were like speaking in memoriam of him, which it was really funny at the time, especially because he noted it while she was speaking. <laughs> he was just like, have I died? I, I got a big kick out of that. So I just wonder why, why, did, you, why did you share that? So the, the background is Max had emailed a whole bunch of us and given us little to no guidance, which I'm sure was deliberate. And I don't have the email in front of me, and I probably shouldn't read it on the air anyway. But he basically said, hey, can I, um, can I record or can, can, can each of you record a little snippet from Merlin, you know, something like a tweet and send it to me over the next few days? And that was basically all the guidance I got. And so I, re- I replied and I said, yeah, I can do that in the next couple of days. You know, do you have something specific in mind? Are you going for funny, serious, appreciative, stupid, whatever? Uh, and he just said, no, no theme in mind, just a bunch of short, short clips. I think something sincere would be great or whatever you're feeling. And so I took that as, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I should be appreciative, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, like and, sincere of yeah. your love of Merlin, right. not, not what Max probably meant, which was just... A thing you would really say was probably what he meant. Probably. But again, I had little to no guidance. And so, yeah, yeah, of course. So I had sent him like three or four different clips of various amounts of goofy and various amounts of serious. You know, it, it kind of ranged from goofy and stupid to serious mm-hmm. and probably also stupid. And I just figured he would make the call as to which one or two or four that he would want to include. And at the time, my, my headspace, my headcanon was, you know, I. I really, 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 really respect Merlin a lot. And I think he's a a really great guy. And I really enjoy the podcasts of his that I listen to. I do not listen to all of his podcasts, but but the ones I do listen to are some of my favorites. And I think that's a no small part because of Merlin. And so I was thinking, you know, let me say something nice to Merlin. Because even though mm-hmm, Merlin mm-hmm. arguably doesn't like compliments very much, I think everyone, some I personally believe some part of everyone is made happy by a compliment. Maybe not on a podcast that's being broadcast to God knows how many people, but nevertheless, people generally like compliments. And so I thought, you know, if there was ever a time to disclose this hyper-private piece of information, now is that time. And I molded over for a day or two, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to screw it. I'm going to do it, because what's it going to hurt? And 
sitting here now, until you convince me how wrong I was, I don't regret it. I think it was. I, no. I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I don't think you need to regret it. It was just funny to me that we spent so long like referencing it, mm-hmm. but never stating who the people were. And then in your way of telling people was to say it on a show. But it, more that just it wasn't even your audience that you told. <laughs> like, you told so, like a, a almost seemingly random set of people uh, a piece of information that they had no like historic context yeah, yeah, for. Yeah, which I, yeah. just, I just thought it was really funny. That's fair. No, I, I don't know. I just also it was it was years ago. I mean, I'm I don't know which episode it was, but I'm looking at episode number three of Analog, which is entitled White Whale Syndrome. I mean, that was four years ago, almost to the yeah, day. It lasted a long time, though. Like and and I True. think that they changed over time and stuff like that. So it was it was a long running theme for a while. But maybe maybe this is the one. I don't know. But anyway, uh, it seemed to me like that was so long ago, and I had you know snagged my white whale a while back. And I'm sorry mm-hmm. if that's a a brag or even a humble brag. But I had finally snagged my white whale, and so I thought, you know what? At, at, at this point, it's it's water under the bridge, and so. Again, at the time, I was thinking we were going more toward sincere and less toward humor. And, you know, it is what it is. I thought it was I thought it was adorable. Hopefully everyone else did, too. And uh, if Merlin, for some strange reason, listens to this show, well, I'm sorry. Sorry if I embarrassed you, Merlin. And no, you're not dead. I assure you. I don't know whether I want to share mine. You know, no, no, no. I, I don't think you need to. I truly and honestly don't. I, I don't. Think I was you just wondering to. if I wanted to, to be in solidarity with you. No, but I've fine. actually it's decided fine. that I don't think I will be today. That's you're fine. on your own. I know. It's story of my life. <laughs> Thank you to our Relay FM members. Thank you to everybody that has signed up. I just wanted to let you all know that our episode is recorded where mm-hmm. we review Scott Pilgrim versus the world and was published on August the 30th. So if you're a Relay FM member, make sure you check the uh, feed, the members feed, and you will find our episode there. Um, if you want to hear what mine and Casey's review of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, spoiler alert, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, you can click the link in the show notes to become a Relay FM member, um, and then you'll be able to to get that as long as well as many, many, many other amazing, awesome uh, membership bonus content shows for your perusal. And thank you to everybody that has signed up. Uh, we sincerely, sincerely appreciate your support. Yep, very much so. And uh, it is extremely kind of you to send any of your money in in our direction, either to Mike and I specifically or Relay as a whole. So thank you much, Lee, to anyone who has even thought about, much less actually committed Mm -hmm. to doing so. And I I think our members' episode's pretty good. I enjoyed it. So we got a lot of feedback, I think, about the last episode um, where we spoke about Twitter and social networks and kind of our feelings um, about them all. Uh, We got a heck of a lot of feedback and follow-up about Mastodon, which I was seriously not expecting because, to my memory, we committed one sentence of the show to Mastodon. I think that's correct. Um, and, and I really expected to hear more about basically everything else, but the majority mm-hmm. of the feedback we got was about Mastodon. I maintain in the camp of... I'm sure Mastodon is great for some people. It's not a thing that I'm interested in. I don't want to run a social network of my own. I don't want to create a social network of my own. I think Marco put it the best where he said something along the lines of, like, if I want to speak in private to my friends or just to my friends, I'll do that in private channels, messages, Slack, etc. If I want to speak to an audience, I will speak to the largest audience that I have. And right now, that's Twitter. And I can completely concur with this thinking and i understand that that is a that's fine for mike and casey situation 
But that is the situation we're in. So all I have is my own experience. And right now, I'm not really interested in, in replacing Twitter with something else where the features seem a little bit peculiar to me. Um, but we did get some really lovely follow-up that I wanted to talk about. One thing came from Eric, and Eric says, Hearing the latest episode, we need to talk about the good that tweeting does. When I put something out into the world and get a response back from people that I respect, um, it can really brighten up my day. And I could not agree more, because I this happens to me frequently, very frequently. I recently found a YouTube series. I, I've known of it for a while, but just started watching it, um, called Movies with Mikey. Mm-hmm. Which I've seen a couple episodes. Absolute masterpiece. I've been jo- I've been absolutely binging it recently. Um, it's part of a channel called Film Joy, but I will link to the movies with Mikey playlist, uh, YouTube playlist in our show notes, so you can go and uh, peruse them. Uh, I would suggest start with some uh, movies that you've seen and then go through them. All of the Edgar Wright ones are incredible. The Dark Knight one is incredible. It is an a, fantastic serenity episode that you would love uh there's a bunch on star wars mike newman has some in really interesting um opinions and insight into movies that i greatly appreciate and his editing and presentation style is like bon on one of the best that i've ever seen on youtube he's an absolute masterpiece creator of movies like and and has also gone through some pretty significant struggles in his life, which he also also made uh, some some videos about. So it's really really interesting. I think that he's an incredible creator. And so I found him and just I sent a tweet to him and I was like, "You are amazing!" Like the YouTube algorithm recommended one of your videos, and I'm in love with them now. And you're amazing. And then he tweeted back to me and he was like, "Thank you so much." It's like that made my day because mm-hmm. I found this person who I now have boundless respect for creatively and and just as a human and i can send them a message and they can see it and then they can tell me about it and it was kind of like uh when i tweeted at echo right do you remember that i do i do i really honestly do after the baby after the baby driver movie came out and it was like oh that was a wonderful feeling so that's one of the great things about uh about about twitter that, that you can say stuff two people and that they see it and that is you know I, I couldn't agree more with eric's sentiment there and i think that's one of the things that makes it so wonderful and also there are these little things that happen every now and then uh, at joel's average on twitter created me as the incredible hulk which is <laughs> so weird good. amalgamation so good uh th- of conversation last time uh so i really liked that a lot that was that was a lot of fun too so you know, I understand how troublesome these things can be at times, but there's also can be great moments to be found in these weird little places on the internet. Yeah, I concur with everything you said. I was surprised by the volume of Mastodon feedback. Uh, I did, since recording, uh, dip into uh, the the incomparable instance of Mastodon where I don't think of tooted but once maybe um and also it's, tooted really is yeah. that what we're going with yeah like as a as a jokey thing from actually merlin years ago i i can get behind it but as a legitimate this is what it's called to quote unquote tweet that's just no guys no some of the other nomenclature is good like boosted yeah when boosted you, instead I of retweeting like mm-hmm. i like it tooted like oh i get it very funny it's like the sound a mastodon would make Mm-hmm. Right out of their trunk, but 
it's just not good. Uh, but yeah, like again, it's like I don't know. It just all seems it just seems seems so strange to me. It, and, it I, is. and I'm it's just not interested strange. in in moving somewhere. Like it's just not it's just not what I want to do right now. Um, it's just not it's just not my thing. Yeah, it's just, it's very strange. And I, I'm maybe one day I'll get into it. But sitting here now, I'm I'm not digging the mastodon thing that much. But I have now tried it, so you don't need to email us. And and we as one unit, this this show as one unit has tried it. So effectively, Mike has tried it. Well, no, I I have an account on the incomparable mastodon. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, because I just poked around and I spent okay. five minutes and just decided that it, that I just don't think this is for me. Gotcha. I didn't realize that for now. I didn't realize that you had an account here. All right. Uh, I do feel like I should also double down on what you were saying, though, about Twitter being wonderful. I don't have any specific story about it for right this moment. Actually, uh, I do, come to think of it. Uh, Several years ago, I was watching a Jeremy Clarkson special that uh, was one of his videos, you know, where he'll do, instead of Top Gear, he'll do like his own, you know, made-for-home video movie. And Tiff Nidell was on it. Uh, Tiff is one of the hosts of Fifth Gear and, and was previously a host of Top Gear. And one of the little shticks that they did was like Tiff was riding a bike and Jeremy was on a car or something like that. I forget exactly what the specifics were, but I tweeted it at Tiff Nidell and was just like, oh man, when you were on the bike, that was so funny or something like that. And he actually replied and was like, oh my God, that was so much work or something along those lines. You know, we had, you know, a two or three tweet exchange, which I thought was interesting. And oh, and uh, one time I asked James May what watch he was wearing and he told me it was not at all the watch I expected. And uh, that was that was pretty cool. Well, he actually replied to somebody else in the same thread that I started, but I'm claiming it as him replying to me. But anyways, so yeah, Twitter, Twitter is both magical and friggin terrible. News at 11. And in a final piece of follow up, I got an incredibly lovely email yesterday from YouTube of all places, wherein they told me I can now earn fractions of a penny which is extremely exciting because I can now monetize my YouTube channel, fire up your browsers, go to my YouTube channel, play those things on repeat. As what is do, it? Do you it, have the URL yet? No. No, I don't think I'm sure Surely cool you get, can get a URL now. I don't think I can, but I do. I, I did put a redirect. If you can be monetized, you can probably get a URL. I'll, I'll have to look. But, I, but certainly I can do a read. Uh, I've done a redirect. So youtube.caseylist.com uh, will refer you to my ridiculous, awful URL. And uh, you should hopefully, sorry, hopefully be getting ads when uh, when you start watching my videos, which would be great because that will give me, or, like I said, a fraction of a fraction of a penny. More importantly, uh, they'll get you true premium revenue. Oh, you mean uh, the YouTube Red or whatever it is? YouTube Premium. Is yeah, that what it's, what called, it's called now? now. Yeah, uh, it's called, it's called oh, oh, oh. There you go. So that's, so like I, I pay for YouTube Premium because then creators get, uh, money that way and for some people especially if you have longer videos you can actually make more money from premium than you would in ads because premium is the money is is divvied up by watch time mm. not by ad impressions excellent so yeah especially you guys with premium just put that stuff on repeat for me uh, that mm-hmm. would be lovely but no that's very exciting i um all, all snark and, and jokes aside I've been really, really working hard and and hoping for this to come through. And about two or three, maybe four weeks ago, I crossed the two thresholds, which earned me a review. And so then YouTube could spend up to a month, and they did take nearly a month, I think, to review my channel and make sure it's not, you know, filth. And, uh, And then hopefully they would and now have approved me to monetize. And I keep telling myself that if I earn even $5 in an entire month, that'll be exciting. But of course, my imagination is telling me that, you know, I'm going to be living, 
you know, in a mansion with a 30 car garage, just filming my own cars for the rest of my life from my YouTube earnings from the one video I post every month ish, if I'm lucky. So clearly these are not, <laughs> these are incongruous, but it's my imagination and, it, and it's fun. So, uh, to, so you heard it here first, I'm going to be rich in like 10 minutes. That's, that's what's about to happen from YouTube of all places. How much money do you need to make before you buy a drone? Uh, if I earn enough to just fund the drone through YouTube, that would be phenomenal. And that's like 800 bucks or something like that. But Great. we'll see. You'll have a drone in five years. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be rolling in it. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring super easy. Everyone loves a fast website, and Pingdom are helping to keep your favorite sites online and running smoothly. Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, BuzzFeed, Slack, Relay FM, even. These are just a handful of companies who trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Websites are super complicated, but you can monitor any site interaction with Pingdom. Stuff like user registrations or logins, checkouts, and so much more. It's not just about whether your site is up or down, Pingdom can monitor all of these little dependencies independently. Pingdom care about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if a problem or disaster strikes, they want you to be the first to know. It's so easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL and they'll take care of the rest. And that is it. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code analog at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Casey, mm-hmm. in some in like a few weeks' time, I want to see if I can get the actual date here. Um, in a couple of months' time, in November, tenth uh, of November, I will have been self-employed for four years. Ooh, four years! That is bananas. Yep. In November, you will have been in self-employed for something like four months. Uh, July, August, September. Yeah, just a little bit over. You're right. So over the next little while, my plan is to try and help you uh, through some of the maybe struggles you're going through, maybe some of the things that you might need some help with as you transition um, from full-time to self-employed life. And I want to see if I can be a sounding board for you and and impart uh, any experiences, not necessarily wisdom, but experiences that I have gone through, which could provide you with some help or some solace or some, I don't know, some uh, a feeling of not being alone as you're going through something which is weirdly lonesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to see if I can help you and I ask you to maybe think of some questions I have some stuff that I want to go through with you including your working environment and stuff like that which we're going to touch on in a later episode because I would like to also share with our listeners some some of the updates that I've made to my working environment over the last few months um, to accommodate new equipment and stuff like that but I think today we should maybe get into some high level things because we me and you have not actually really spoken about this yet because there's been uh big life events of mine and I was away and and you know we were touching on some things but we haven't really gotten into any depth of this yet so um would you like to maybe ask me some stuff and see if I can impart any advice I would love to and I should also plug a fellow relay show um called free agents 
And I don't have the episode number in front of me, but it was 53, 54, something like that. And I was the guest with uh, with David Sparks and, and Mike Schmitz. And we talked about similar things on that episode. So Episode 54. Thank you. Um, we'll put that link in the show notes. I had a tremendous amount of fun on that episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good episode. And so it's worth checking that out as well. What I think Mike and I are going to do is kind of... Um, have little drips of similar content from that episode, not repeats by any means, but you know, similar questions asked of Mike and of me uh, over the next several months, like Mike said. So to start this out, I thought um, I would ask some of my kind of establishing questions of you, Mike, such as what do you wish you knew four years ago when you were, you know, a fresh free, a fresh pimply free agent like myself? Spent, I spent some time thinking about this and I have a couple of different areas. Um, one is very obvious. Uh, it is something that's spoken about constantly with people that are self-employed or self-employed minded, right? Like there's somebody that wants to, to maybe work for themselves one day is that you'll never stop wanting to try and do new things and you have to balance it. So you yeah. have to learn to use the word no and that you shouldn't just say yes out of fear of whatever that fear might be, like the fear of upsetting someone or the fear of if I don't do this, I'm missing out on an opportunity or the fear of if I don't do more, I won't be able to feed my family. Mm-hmm. Like Finding that balance is really hard and the balance comes from external forces and internal forces. Right, so like you are increasing the amount of videos that you're making, it would seem, right? Because you just put one out, you have another one in the works. I know that you're like trying to tee up more and more of those, mm-hmm. and that's great. But like, you've got to be careful that you don't get lost in that, right? That, that then that just becomes all that you do when it maybe shouldn't be all that you do, right? So you you don't want to like run before you can walk. So, yeah, yeah. but this never stops though right that like that balance never stops you you want to find a core set of things that you can do and then try and refine it over time and it's like an accordion right you're going to go from times of uh, being overextended to then dropping some stuff and then you feel like you haven't got enough going on and you're not satisfied so you do more and then it goes in and goes out and i find that that is an almost a natural feeling of like you'll get overwhelmed, you'll start cutting away at some stuff or reducing some stuff. But then the reason that you were doing them all in the first place was for either some kind of creative hunger or a fear or whatever, and that will come back again. So then you'll start to do more. So I find that it's not necessarily about like, oh, you gotta just do nothing, right? But you've you you just I think you just need to be self aware enough of that accordion and that you know that these things are going to go in waves and then once you've gone through that cycle a few times you get better at actually managing how far out and how far in it goes yeah i really like that analogy i never thought of it that way and it makes perfect sense and you know one of the things that we spoke about on that free agents episode briefly is you know is this youtube stuff a waste of time and i I still don't think it is today but i think you're right mike that it could easily be that that's all i do other than podcasts and you know, in a perfect world where YouTubing is making money, then that's reasonable. But today, when I'm, you know, saving up for five years to get a drone, then I don't know if that's such a wise expenditure of my time. So, um, yeah, I, I completely hear you. And I, and I think that more than anything else, it's the 
it's my fear of not having diversified. So if, you know, podcasting ad sales just took a dump tomorrow, I would not be in a good place, you know, because all of my, all of my income now is, is, is through podcast stuff. And so that's why I am chasing the YouTube stuff, but I, I, I am scared and could easily see myself overextending on that instead of chasing something that is more lucrative or at least more immediately lucrative. So yeah, you're going to have to keep me honest on that one. Point number two, your new life does not guarantee happiness. Oh, come on. So, I mean, I'm an indie. That's, that's all that matters. That's the only thing you need to be happy is to be independent. Here's one of the most important things that someone can learn in their lifetime. Getting everything you've dreamed of does not guarantee that you'll be happy. That's heavy. Yeah, it is, but it's true. Uh, your life will continue to be full of struggles. It's like that idea of, you know, lottery winners. Mm. You'd think that by winning the lottery, what what concerns could you have anymore? You do whatever you want, pay for whatever you want, your life is set, but it is told time and time again that people that win the lottery are typically not happy because there are all these knock-on effects of the fact that, like, you don't know if you have friends anymore. Yeah. Like, who? what are these people here for? Like, are they here just for my money? Do they want things from me? And this all of the way that your life will change and you leave everybody else behind, all this sort of stuff, right? Like, that's why it can be hard. But really, you know, for for someone like me, like I have achieved my only dream. Yeah. So that in of, of itself can be a problem because then like what do you do after that, right? So that can be a hole there. But also once you're in something, it's not as mystical anymore after a while and then the the same issues that happened in your life before will occur again. And then you've got this whole problem of like, I should be happy all the time. So when I'm not happy about something, it makes it worse because then you also feel the guilt. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. Yep. you just need to understand that your life will still have struggles. Some will be caused by your new life. Some will be the same struggles no matter what you were doing. And that, for as hard as it can be, trying to be aware of that and, and trying to not feel guilty is important. I see this a lot, and this seems to be a lot worse with YouTubers than uh, oh, yeah? than than others. Yeah, because, because of the inherent nature of the system. So this is a big trend right now. Um, there's been a bunch of articles and videos and stuff kind of floating around about this for the last couple of weeks about, like, the YouTube system requires you to feed it. Right, because by feeding the system and pumping into the algorithm, you are continuing to get shown to people when you log into YouTube. If you haven't posted a video in a few weeks, all you see is red numbers everywhere because all of everything's declined. <laughs> and like that, that the kind of the way that YouTube is built and the way that the system is built is really unkind to, um, to to take in a break. Well, like what we do isn't so much really because I mean I know that 
I think there are some parts of our industry where people look at their like their monthly downloads or whatever or their daily downloads, but I don't think that kind of our kind of more old school corner of the industry really cares about that as much as episode downloads, like how many downloads did this episode get? Mm-hmm. So like when I'm looking at our kind of monthly totals, if I see that it's down and it's because, oh, we took a week off, like I don't care about that because it doesn't affect anything. All of our ads are sold up front, right? Um, us taking a break doesn't stop the show from being any more or less discoverable than it was before, right? So all of that stuff we can mitigate, but in YouTube land, it's not so easy to do that. And so there's a lot of burnout there and it can be really tough. So yeah, I just thought that that, that, that is like a a real thing to think about. Like you, you, it's something that you really should be mindful of and in just understanding that you're going to be down, but it's okay. Like just because you achieved something that so many people want doesn't mean that you're not entitled to being blue sometimes. Yeah, I think that's good to hear. And, and certainly it's it's certainly something that I could see myself doing um, is is feeling like I have to be happy all the time. And and then truly you hit the nail on the head uh, I think that I would, in the cases where I'm not overjoyed about every single aspect of my life, I would feel guilty about it. And and that's what mm-hmm. you said a minute ago. And I couldn't agree with you more. That is that is definitely a Casey sort of thing to do. So you're, you're introducing uh, thought technologies I was not prepared for, sir. But I am very appreciative because this is this is great. I mean, some of these things I think I kind of latently knew or kind of kind of. I, I knew in my subconscious, but it is important for me to hear and, and hopefully others to hear brought out to the forefront. And, and a lot of this is applicable even outside of the context of just being an indie. You know, what if what if I finally got, I don't know, maybe a job as an iOS developer instead of being a .NET developer, just hypothetically, you know? And what if what if it turns out being an iOS developer is not too dissimilar from being a .NET developer? And ultimately, yep. you know, it, it's it's the same sort of thing. And and here it was, you know, I had worked for all this time uh, in order to get to the point that I was an iOS developer. And then there were times that my job kind of stank. And so I would feel bad about the fact that I was feeling bad. And that's just not constructive. I still have to deal with people that annoy me every day, right? Like external forces. I'm and sitting right here, Mike. No, 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 no. People that I don't <laughs> want to annoy me, right? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you allow that with people that you care about, like, sure, sure, sure. like have emotional attachment to, but like I have to deal with frustrating external business factors on a daily basis. And that was exactly the same as when I was working a job. Right. Like, it was the same. Um, and my last kind of thing that I wished I'd known four years ago, which is why I'm imparting it upon you, is that you will always be in some form worried about money because you are responsible for it in a way that you were not before. Like, now the amount of money that comes to you is much more your concern than it was when you were employed mm-hmm. because there is a mindset that people have rightly or wrongly, that if I've signed a contract and I'm going to get paid X amount of money every month, that's what I'm going to get, come rain or shine. Right. When it's not as clear-cut as that, right, because businesses fail no matter how big they are or who's running them. But it is a mindset that we get. We feel more job security when we've got a paycheck coming in every month. So sometimes you'll make more, sometimes you'll make less, and you'll go through the cycle enough that it won't panic you anymore. 
Like you, you'll worry about it, but you won't fear it. You won't feel like, oh, something's changed and now everything's going to explode and it's, that's it. it's going to be gone forever. Um, it just takes time. A cycle will develop and you'll just get used to it. Yeah. So far, it's too early for me to have experienced too much of that, but I know it's coming for sure. And it's also difficult because the particular stuff, and maybe this isn't unique, but the particular stuff that, that I do and that we do, at least for me anyway, it seems to come in fits and spurts. You know, like I, the advertisers- It can be seasonal. It can be seasonal. Right. Yes. And and sometimes, you know, perhaps an advertiser doesn't pay at exactly the the speed in which you want and, and so on and so forth. Well, and also uh, a budget may end having nothing to do with you. Yeah. But an advertiser may run out of budget or they just don't want to advertise on podcasts anymore. And that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. So I am trying to prepare myself for that inevitability where, you know, I have to go a fair bit of time without any significant income. And, you know, how do I prepare for that? What do I do? Do I assume that the sky is falling or do I just weather the storm like you're saying? And, and hopefully, well, hopefully that time never comes, but realistically, hopefully, you know, when it does come, I can handle it with some modicum of grace. Um, because uh, that is not me, me being, me being, I don't know, level-headed and and not chicken little is is unusual. You know, I, my my normal approach is to be chicken little about these sorts of things, and so I I need to prepare myself to be not that way. So they are my uh... top tips. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, those are extremely Thank you. good. Thank you. Thank you. I put some thought into those today. No, I, and I can tell because they're they're excellent and they're they're brief, which is the worst part because the it's the little snippets that are <laughs> that are like a sentence and a half that you're like, man, why didn't I know that? That seems so obvious. Why didn't I know that? But but oftentimes you don't. Well, sometimes it, it helps to be uh, have these things put into like black and white or whatever or yeah. whatever the audio version of black and white would be. <laughs> uh, that's very true. All right, so I have one other uh, question I'd like to ask you, uh, at least immediately anyway, and then maybe we can either continue to pull on this thread or we can we can move on to something else. We'll see how it goes. But mm-hmm. what do you what do you find that's still difficult four years in? You know, you're the experienced expert at this point. What are one yeah, or two veteran. things? Well, yeah, you are a veteran. What are what are one or two things that you find still pretty challenging? They actually build in some instances from the things that I mentioned to you. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> because one of them is time management. So I am in the uh, the outward stretch of the accordion right now. I have too many commitments. Um, I also work more than I want to. But I also, weirdly, have a lack of things to fill in the non-working time with. So I fill it with more work-related projects. So like, what I'm saying is I feel like I work too much. But if I reduce the amount of work, I don't really have any particular hobbies mm, mm-hmm. that aren't work-related mm-hmm. really anymore. So if I, th- then I kind of just feel like I don't have anything, so I'll find something worky to do. <laughs> so that's just a thing. I need to, one, I need to reduce some of my commitments, and then two, I need to re- like work out what, what that means, what that looks like. Um, which actually also dovetails into my second thing, which is that I also do need, this is a work project, but it's kind of slightly related, is that I need and want a side thing that is not podcasting to occupy some of my other creative energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does 
I mean, I also can't really do that with all my commitments that I currently have. But it's just that I've realized that I've tried to make like side project podcasts that are like not even really related to the realms that I usually work within. But they still feel like work because they're the same process. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. what I want is a side project. I want, you know, like I, like podcasting used to be. And I think I know what that's going to be. But part of the problem for me with this stuff is I have in the past thought like, oh, I know what I can do to 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 have some creative like freedom or whatever. You know, not not that I can't be freely creative, and but just. I have another outlet which is different to the other stuff that I do, which inherently makes it a side thing, right? So it's like not a podcast, not something audio related, not something that needs editing, right? Like a totally different thing. Yeah. But I never know if that's going to provide me with what I want until I do it, and that can be a problem. Do you think the videos were different enough? Whether or not you want to continue with video, like no, maybe. they weren't. That's the problem okay. because the the the, pro- the 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 process and production of creating YouTube videos was too similar to podcasting. That's why so I it asked. far yeah. too quickly became work, hmm. especially because I was a lot of the time making videos about or like the ideas that I had for videos were just the same things that I had for podcasts. And then when I prioritized them, it was like, well, it makes sense for me to actually talk about this on connected or upgrade as opposed to talk about it on my YouTube channel. I don't know what, I don't know what to recommend. YouTube just didn't, didn't scratch that itch for me. Really? I I think I'm looking for something that, that isn't creative in the same way that those things are. Do you think you still want it to be media or do you want it just for the sake of discussion? Like, do you want to do woodworking or something like that? Obviously woodworking requires space, requires tools. So maybe that's probably an example, but you know what I'm driving at? Yeah. I think that that is more akin to it where it's like, it's super different and it can be artistic, right? Is what I'm looking for. Like for there to be an artistic output, but it not be this media, this like consumable media. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, you know, like videos and audio, music, right? Like, not, not that I have any sure, sensibility, sure, sure, sure. but you know what I mean. Yep. Like that kind of creative output is not what I'm looking for because it's too similar to what I'm already doing. Um, so I'm, I'm still kind of like tooling around a little bit there, and and to use a phrase that you've used a few times in this episode, that I like I'm like tugging on some threads there and seeing what feels what feels good. You know, like if I kind of just progress. This is kind of like a piece of advice that I've taken from Gray, right? That like you come up with something and you start doing all of the work for it and then see how it feels. And he does that a lot. And then we'll like abandon projects and stuff. And that's kind of where I am right now, where I'm just like dipping my toe into the water of a few things and seeing how they ultimately feel before actually going ahead and committing to something. Because I'm kind of at a point in my career now where I don't want to, keep doing things and then killing them. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that ultimately it's a good idea to keep doing that. So if I'm doing anything now, I want to commit to it. So there you go. That's kind of where, that's where, I, that's where my brain is at right now. So do you view, I, it's unfair of you. It's unfair of me to ask this question of you, but looking at what I'm up to these days, do you think that, the YouTube stuff is a side project work or a side project that is soon to become work or something else entirely. I would say option C. So it's a side project that I will soon be feeling like is work. 
Well, you're trying to make it work. Well, fair. Yeah. But Right. So like it's gonna feel that way. Yeah, I, I mean in terms of like will it feel like a burden? Because right now it's like exciting and new and fun. You know what I mean? I don't know. If you're anything like me, it, it will feel like a burden. But there is a there is a key difference in that you actually do not handle production of any of the media you create. You you right. don't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't you're not in the production arm, which is the harder part. It's it's the thing that I enjoy less. I think it's the thing that a lot of people enjoy less. There is a there is a fun to be had in it, but it is way more fun to make the video or talk to the person than it is to edit it because the editing is is hard work, like really hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that doesn't have the same kind of regular human gratification that a conversation does. Like there are so many things firing in my brain right now because we're having this conversation that makes it pleasant, right? where the the video editing whilst it can be rewarding is like a solitary thing for a lot of people most people so i think it makes it a little harder and i think it's one of the reasons that i didn't i didn't like having to edit something else because it just felt like more of the same more of the same yeah i just felt like okay this is interesting but like i'm already committing tens of hours every single week to something that's kind of just like this and i want to do something different yeah Fair enough. All right. Well, why don't you tell me about something that's uh, unequivocally awesome? I'm not trying to put this on a down for you, right? Because we do have very different makeups of our work, mm-hmm. right? So, there, if Stephen seems to really enjoy making videos, still, right? And like you know, and so maybe it's different for different people, but like that's just kind of how how it is for me right now. Is that these the, those two things were far too similar for me, which ultimately didn't make it a fun side project and I just didn't feel like I was going to get that I was going to get the results out of it and that any results that I did get were actually ultimately not going to be what I wanted yeah I think that makes sense all right today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace make your next move with Squarespace they will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project you can get a unique domain name take advantage of and customize beautiful award-winning templates and so much more making Squarespace the ideal home for your next project. There is Squarespace offer an all-in-one platform for website creation. You can make just about any website that you want. No matter what type of functionality you're looking for, they have it. You can integrate stores. You can integrate portfolios. You can integrate galleries. You can integrate blogs. I could go on and on and on all day of all of the functionality you can add in. You can very easily add in uh, email newsletter signups, and you can add in contact forms that can be sent to Google Sheets or to email. It's really, really a wonderful wonderful thing with so many incredible pieces of functionality with squarespace there is nothing to install or patch or upgrade they take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to and they back it all up with award-winning 24 7 customer support squarespace plans start at just 12 dollars a month you can start a trial today with no credit card required just go to squarespace.com analog then when you sign up use the offer code analog to get 10 percent of your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support of this show once again that's squarespace.com analog and the code analog to get 10 percent of your first purchase we thank squarespace for their support of this show and relay fm squarespace make your next move make your next website all right so we've talked and kind of danced around this a little bit but i, I i'd like to explore it a little more something that i've been struggling with already is how do i manage my time and that takes that that's 
two different things on the surface and then it's uh, some additional stuff once you dig a little deeper. Um, on the surface, that's managing my time in terms of like, when am I working and when am I not? Because I feel like in the first few weeks, I was, as you said a little while ago, constantly working. And in the last week or so, I think I've gotten a little bit lax about it. And I think that's because there's been some perfectly fine but unexpected family stuff that's been going on. Like, everything's fine. I'm not trying to sound any alarms. But I've I've had family commitments that I didn't expect. And, um, and so I've been kind of just blowing off work a little bit more than normal. But also, perhaps more importantly, and this is particularly relevant to you, um, there was a situation which we don't need to get into the specifics, but wherein I accidentally let you down and didn't fall th- follow through on something I told you I would do. And I think that that was, I, I don't expect that to be something that is a common problem, but I also don't want to just ignore it and assume that it will never happen again. So that is many words to say, how do you manage your time, both in terms of when you're working and when you're not, and when you are working, how do you manage your time to ensure you're working on the right things? You need to start time tracking. I don't want to start time tracking. All right, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and look, I know people roll their eyes at time tracking. It works for some. It works, it, it, and it doesn't work for others. But the the easiest way to understand what work is and how much you're putting in, you need data first. So you need to actually understand how much work am I doing and when am I doing it? And the only way to get that is to record your working because your brain is a stupid muscle that has its own way of twisting what reality is. Yeah. And when you're self-employed, one of the biggest differences is that you have no real time off anymore. It is all in your head. Your work is in your head all the time, which means that you will work weekends, you will work evenings, you will work in random times at random places, anytime, all the time, right? Because work time is malleable now because there's nobody forcing your daily hour commitment on you, right? So your brain then thinks, well, I work 12 hours a day. Because you feel like you're always working because it's always rattling around in your brain, right? Sure. So the only way to actually know how much time you're putting in, how long it takes you to do something, how frequently you do something, and how much time in a day or over a week that you actually spend putting real productive time into projects is by tracking it. There are a bunch of services you can use. I use a service called Toggle. Uh, T-O-G-G-L. There are apps in the App Store that you can use. Um, There's one that I cannot remember the name of, but I I will find it and put it in the show notes. It's the one that Federico uses now because he either was, he did use this or he is using this, but there are apps that are not like so service heavy or whatever. Um, And the Toggle apps can be not that great, but the Mac app will do for you exactly what you need it to do. Um, Or you can just write it down, but I really recommend something that is like an actual time tracker. Considering how much of your time is done um, at the Mac, actually, I may recommend an app uh, by a company that is a sponsor of FM called Timing. You should try that because that will track all of your time automatically. So you don't even have to press buttons. Mm -hmm. 
So considering most of your work is happening on the Mac, I actually do recommend timing for you. Uh, and the reason that you do this, and you try and do it for a couple of weeks, because then you can look at some graphs and some charts, and you have data available to you. So you'll know, like, how much time do I spend recording podcasts? How much time do I spend listening to podcasts for them to be edited, right? Like you're part of the production process. How long do I spend recording videos? How long do I spend editing videos? When do I do all of these things? What is the averages? Then you will have some real information about what it is required for you to put together something. You can then work out your own personal ROI, which is a horrifically scary but valuable thing to do, which basically means... I put X amount of hours into something. I make X amount of dollars from it. What is my return on investment for time and money? Mm -hmm. That is a scary thing to look at when you have a pretty varied um, like stuff. When you have a varied stuff, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> but like, what I mean is, like, you have a lucrative part of your business, and you have a part that where you're mostly putting in just your time and nothing else, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so that could be scary because you would be harshly negative ROI for YouTube, sure, and really good ROI for ATP. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, uh, all of the the ROI thing, park that for now, but I really do recommend that you take some way of recording your time or having a system record your time for you just so you can get an idea of how much time you're actually spending working. Because I know one thing for me when I started tracking was I started to feel a lot better because I realized I wasn't working as much as I thought I was. That's interesting. I thought I was doing 10-hour workdays and it was most likely six. <laughs> that's quite a difference it's a huge difference that's almost 50 percent different so, yes and a lot of the people that i know that have done this kind of stuff find things to be similar hmm. Interesting. i really 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 recommend that you try it it's it's laborious um but it's a habit that you can get into and you know a, a lot of your friends find it valuable like steven for example he doesn't like time tracking but he did this and it was useful for him like so when he started out he was time tracking for a while to understand what his actual work time was like i really really recommend you should give it a go and see uh the other thing is really diligent use of calendars to do lists as well you, you put your things on the calendar that you're doing whether it's recording and maybe you want to schedule in some editing time and you have a to-do list to keep track of all of the things that you have going on right now. Yeah. And then you won't find yourself in a situation where you've forgotten to do something because it's yeah. in your system. That's true. Yeah, and that, that that's what I think fell down for the thing I let you down on is yeah. it was neither... I, I am lightly using Trello and... Um, I am, I am also obviously a, a devout Jason Snell disciple of the, you know, put everything in the calendar that you ever want to get done. Yeah. School well, Jason uses a to-do manager now too. So that didn't work for him in the long run. <laughs> well, that's why, like I said, I've been dabbling with Trello, but, uh, in this case, I think I just had my mental calendar and, um, and, and I just did not ever engage the thing I needed to do for you onto the mental calendar. And, and then it just never happened. And so... Can I ask why you've chosen Trello for this purpose? Because I want something simple that just basically has a queue and has several states of being. So I'm either... It's either to do, right. is is being done, or is done. Okay. Or actually, I think I also have like an in-hold or on-hold column. If, you know, there's something that 
you know, like, let's say, for example, I need to do my half of the edit of this and I need your file to do it, which is actually not true. But let's just say for the sake of discussion, then perhaps me doing the edit or my portion thereof would be on hold until you get me the file. And then it can be, you know, back in the to do column or or in progress column or whatever the case may be. I'm not sure it's the right answer for the record, but it is it is seemingly working for the most part. <laughs> the, the, the thing I really screwed you on, notwithstanding. Um, but I, I think I think a combination to your point of calendars and Trello or equivalent, maybe maybe it's not Trello. Um, I, I think that that's probably the right answer. And I, I have downloaded um, uh, the, the timing app. I have not installed it yet, Good. but I have downloaded it and I am begrudgingly installing it as we speak because I know Just you're probably give it a go. right. I know, yeah, I know. You're probably right. right and I need es- to try Especially it. in a system like that, like it records everything and then it tries some categorization and then you can categorize it yourself as well, right? It's useful, right? Like Just so you can get some basic idea of, of what you're doing. I think that you'll find some value in that. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the other part of this is like, when do you take time off? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, let me let me jump in just very quickly. Part of the reason I'm asking you about this is because there have been a couple of days where, like take yesterday, for example, we had a small scare with regard to Michaela's health, you know, not like an emergency room thing, but just something that seemed a little amiss. And so we did an impromptu visit to the pediatrician. And that happened in the morning, and the mornings typically are when I'm working. And so I just kind of blew off yesterday morning and barely got any work done. Um, and, and, and I guess what I'm trying to figure out is for maybe not necessarily that exact example, since it was a health related thing, but for those sorts of things, you know, oh, a friend just dropped into Richmond. I had no idea they were coming and I blow off a couple hours of work and visit with them or something like that, like that. How guilty should I be feeling about those sorts of things? Like, cause on the one that's side, your prize. That, that's exactly like, that's my prize is that I shouldn't feel guilty, but nevertheless, I'm like, Oh God, I really should have been working. Well, again, not maybe in the case of Michaela, but you know, like, Oh, when this phantom friend came in, I should have been working that whole time. And I didn't. And Oh God, should I make up that time? And ah. well, I mean like, this is what you get, right? By, by doing what you've done, the benefit that you get is that you can in the middle of the day, just sack it off and go to the pediatrician where it may not have been as easy for you to do that in a day job where there are, people that require things from you, et cetera, et cetera. And it, like th- that someone's going to make you work those hours up, right? Right. Or you lose them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not how this stuff works, right? I mean, most of the stuff is self-imposed. A lot of your, your deadlines are self-imposed, so you can move them for some creative projects. Things can wait. And if they can't, well, that's when you go to your evening and weekend and you fill up the time there. Like, your time is malleable now it is structured by you so you just find it back elsewhere you work twice as hard you work on an evening you work on a weekend if you even need to do that at all like the time is your own you make it up the way that you want yeah and you just get used to that yeah i I think this is also exacerbated by me deciding for no particular reason but just coming to the conclusion that i'd really like to be able to have at least one episode of Casey on Cars per month because I had the original offer of Mayo in like November, the next one in January, then the then the R that was in July. I have the one in the hopper that I'd like to get out this week, but I don't think it's going to happen and I'm getting more and more grumbly about it because um, not only is it already Tuesday and I've barely started the edit, but 
you know, I'm recording now. I'm going to have to do this at it. Aaron's birthday is this Friday. So happy birthday, Aaron. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to have a whole lot of working time that day, most likely. And so it's pretty clear that I'm almost certainly not going to be able to get this video out in the next basically two days. And I'm, and I'm annoyed at myself because even though it's a goal that really was set for no particular reason, it's still a goal that I'm, that I'm failing on. And, and I'm, kind of annoyed by that. Now, in my defense, I also got the car a week later in the month than I did the R. You know, so I had the R in the second full week of July, whereas I had the GTI as the one that's pending from the 16th through the 23rd of August. So it was later in the month, thus leaving me less time to do the edit. So maybe I shouldn't be quite so hard on myself, but I still really wanted to establish at least a once a month cadence. And it's seemingly I'm going to miss it by at least a few days. Yeah, but, you know, it only affects you and you know, so now you plan differently. Yeah. Well, I'm just feeling guilty. Right, so, like, Nat, you, you'll get the idea of, like, okay, things are going to come up and they're going to get in my way. So how do I, you know, like, if you were doodling around the house one day, not really doing much, well, but it was not on a time that you scheduled, well, maybe you go and work then. So then you can make it up later on. Mm-hmm. Like it's this is how it's malleable, right? Like you you can you can move stuff around however you need it. It will have bad effects. It will have good effects. But you get the ability to play with that a little bit. All right. So basically, I need to take a little bit of a chill pill. Yes. Yeah, you do. But you also. But I can't let off the gas either. Yeah, exactly. It's in everything. You need to chill about the fact that you might not be working when you should. And you also need to chill about the idea of, I'm only going to work at this time because that's not going to work. <laughs> that, that's well right? put. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That's not going to work. Like, and I understand the importance of like structuring families, et cetera. It's like, I get it. I totally get it. But that's just not how it goes, right? If you've had to give some time somewhere else or you've not been particularly productive, well, you're going to have to find that time somewhere, and that might mean a late evening or working on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just what it takes. Yeah, but like the this is the bad part to the benefit. The benefit being you can drop everything whenever you need to and go and do something. Right. And over time, it balances out for everyone. Like you know, you you can understand that your family can understand that. And while sometimes it's frustrating, the benefit that you get is that you can be more present. Yeah, especially in the times that really count. Rather than just like random Saturday afternoon. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? I like, do, I do. It's more important to be there when you're needed rather than when you're not. Yep, I totally When it's it. just like idealistically would be nice if you weren't working as opposed to actually imposing on anybody. Right. Cool. All right, well, this is uh, volume one of probably a 74-part story on how to be a, how to be an independent worker. Yeah, lessons from Mike. And Mike forces Casey to do things that he doesn't particularly want to do. Yeah, well... You know, stuff happens, and it's probably going to be for the best. Mm-hmm. But oy. All right, tell me about something that's awesome. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Linode. Linode offer industry-leading performance of native SSD storage and a 40-gigabit network and Intel E5 processors for their incredible suite of hosting options. As you can see, they have all of the power that you're going to need, which is easy to set up. You can have your own virtual server in the Linode cloud ready and running in under a minute. And their prices start at just $5 a month to get access to their incredible hardware and software. 
Linode have 10 data centers spread across the world. This means your customers will be served even quicker than ever before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via the command line. Plus, all of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances, so you can be sure of what you're going to be putting your money to. Linode has fantastic pricing options available across the board for their virtual servers their plans start at one gigabyte of ram for only five dollars a month with high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of ram or more they have all of the power that you're going to need linode is amazing for tasks like hosting large databases or operating a vpn even running a mail server and just so much more as a listener of this show you can sign up today at linode.com analog and you'll be supporting this show and getting twenty dollars towards any linode plan which will get you four free months on their one gigabyte of RAM plan. So it's a great thing to go and check out. They also have a seven-day money-back guarantee as well. So go to linode.com slash analog. That is L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash analog. You can learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or you can use the promo code analog2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. Should we do some Relay of Fields? Yes, please. All right, our first one comes from Mark. Do either of you have or have you ever had any nicknames among your friends and family? I think that we have either answered this exact question once before or something similar has come up. But but I do have an answer I don't think I've shared before that I can that I can share. And since I've started talking, I will just continue talking. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad used to call me Case Man, which I think should ring some bells. Uh, I think I've said this to you before, I think, on this uh, program. Yeah, because I started calling you the Case Man for mm-hmm. a while. Yep. Uh, and that largely went away, I don't know, probably when I was roughly a teenager. And I don't think it was a, like, oh, dad sort of thing. It was just it kind of went away. But... Um, Aaron's family, her immediate family, mostly spearheaded by her dad, have had this like uh, a tradition, I guess. Like it's never been pl- it's stated. It's just kind of like a modus operandi where they just start calling each other weird and funny nicknames that will then mutate over time. And I don't recall any great examples that I can share amongst her family, but a similar situation, I bring this up because a similar situation also happened between myself, Aaron, and uh, one of Aaron's best friends in the world, Dorothy. Um, I don't remember how it started, but for a while there, Dorothy, who, you know, especially when Aaron was still in college, when we were first dating and, and the two of them lived together, you know, I saw a fair bit of Dorothy as well. And she, she, had taken to calling me KCO, like the letters K, C, and O. And I really can't recall where that started. But then over time, and this is much the same way that Aaron's family works, over time, that got changed to queso, as in the Spanish word for cheese or the dip. And so more often than not, if Aaron is calling me something like a nickname, it's usually queso, which probably sounds utterly ridiculous to anyone that is around us, but I don't even think twice about it. Um, I also have nicknames for Aaron that I think are adorable and funny, but I like being married and thus I will not share them on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no, I've never had like a nickname, especially in my family. We're all like full first names is the way that we relate to each other. Really? Like Michael, mm-hmm, Daniel, mm-hmm. Callum. That's the, that's the name of me and my brothers amongst our family. Um, but that's that's just a thing, and and I never really had it. I never really had any nicknames that stuck. 
right? Like I've, ne- I've never heard them, you know. That my spelling of Mike in and of itself is not is like a weird name, right? There's sure. actually it's not my name, right? My name is Michael with an I, and then Mike with a Y, which is something that I started using when I was sixteen, and it stuck. But it's not really a nickname; it's just a weird spelling of my name. Um, again, right? Like, of course, me and Adina have pet names for each other, but like, I'm gonna share them. You know? <laughs> so, like, that's not a thing; that's a completely different thing. Sure, but yeah, no, I I think a cool nickname would be nice, but I don't have any. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I will. I will have to think on that, and I will come up with something mm, for you. No, because it won't stick. That's the thing. You can't. You know. Yeah, it's true. It's you true. can't. You can't. You can't make these things happen. They have to happen organically. Well, and that and that's the thing with Aaron's family is typically it starts with something that's somewhat deliberate. And again, I wish I could think of a great example, but you know, it'll start with something deliberate, and that never usually sticks for very long. But it takes very little time, to your point, for that to mutate in the same way that KCO mutated to queso. It'll mutate into something that then has a lot of staying power. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Hopefully we'll have our listeners to help us. If one of us calls the other a silly name, we'll have to see if we can get that to stick. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) Mark asks, uh, maybe the same, maybe a different Mark asks, what's something you love that you didn't know about until it was introduced to you by Aaron or Dina? Uh, for me, it was lots of music stuff, um, and uh, or Jay being the biggest. We spoke about that, right? Like mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. she introduced me to their music, and it's a band that I love very very dearly now. So you know that's great. But yeah, lots of music stuff. Mostly is like the thing that I can think of. I don't think I can't really think of a like a particular movie or TV show that like she's very specifically introduced me to as like a way of like you must watch this right. You know, like this is yeah, yeah. you've got to you've got to see. And I'm sure that there are things, but I think that probably the music stuff is the one that has stuck with me the most over time. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I know there's been plenty of things. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything off the top of my head. Um, I guess really changing my perspective of her alma mater. So very quick background. You know, I went to Virginia Tech, and Aaron went to UVA, the University of Virginia. Two in-state schools, uh, big sports rivals, um, probably more so my alma mater hating hers, where hers is, like, what's that, uh, what is it, Mad Men or something? I've never actually seen Mad Men, but it's that image in the, and it looks like an elevator, and the one is like, I don't even think about you at all. You know what I'm thinking of? That that meme that's been floating around? It's like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway. It's uh, Mad Men. It is Mad Men. Okay. So it's like, you know, Virginia Tech is all like, oh, we hate we hate the Wahoos, which is, you know, UVA. We hate the Wahoos. We hate the Wahoos. And, and UVA is kind of like, we don't even care. But anyway, um, you know, it ended up that like four or five years ago now, I got Aaron uh, season football tickets for her birthday. And I thought that was going to, to UVA. And I thought that was going to be like a one-year thing, a one-time thing, where we went for a few times that one year and never went back. And uh, now, five or six years later, we're going every single season. Season and uh, even despite their football team being really crummy, and I have come to really enjoy that time and really enjoy um, uh, just going to UVA and going to the football games with her. And actually, to some degree, Charlottesville. I mean, I moved to Charlottesville, and that's where I ended up meeting Aaron. But Aaron showed me so much of Charlottesville that I've really and truly loved, um, and and so that counts as well. But the most obvious and easy answer that I can go with. Uh, which talking to you specifically helped me remember, given that lovely accent of yours, is the movie Love Actually, which I don't think I'd ever even heard of before I met Aaron. And that is 
probably her favorite movie in the entire world and has now become a Christmas time staple in our house where it gets watched typically at least once, although with the kids it's gotten harder, uh, oftentimes two or three times in, in a Christmas season. So uh, Love Actually is probably the most easy example. Next question comes from Bob. Is it difficult or socially awkward to stop using an app or a service created or maintained by a friend? Do you tell them? Do you not say anything? Do you hide it from them? Or do you just never do that? That is interesting. So one thing I probably will never do, and actually this is pertinent because there's some new service that I don't recall the name of floating around about it, but I I find that I'm uncomfortable. Oh, pod stand? Yep. I am uncomfortable sharing my list of podcast (laughs) subscriptions because there are... You don't want people to see. Well, not not because I'm embarrassed of what I have, which would be true, by the way, of of the TV shows I watch, which are truly embarrassing. But the podcasts I listen to, I don't want to call someone out by not having their show on the list. Does that make sense? Like... Um, yeah. like, let's say for example, like I love cortex, but let's just say, for example, I don't listen to cortex. Like, I don't want to put my subscriptions on pod stand and have cortex conspicuously missing from that list, you know? And I think in the case of you and me, I could totally get away with that. But with some other people that I really and truly care about and don't want to see their feelings hurt, I don't know if I could really get away with kind of publicly declaring even by omission that I don't listen to their show. So when it comes to shows, I'm very cagey and very private about that stuff. But with regard to services, uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I don't often say, like, I don't often go to somebody and be like, oh, I don't use your stuff anymore. Like um, when Overcast came out, I didn't like run up to underscore and was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to use uh, Pod Wrangler anymore. Just FYI. Partly, I think he kind of assumed it, but beyond that, like, no good comes to that, really, right? I mean, that's just kind of being mean, isn't it? What? How do you handle this? I don't tell someone, but I don't hide it from them either. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to like hide it. That's true, but I but I and wouldn't like if somebody it. asked me, I would tell them right. Like, yeah, this is yeah, why yeah, I yeah. don't use your thing anymore, or this is why I don't listen to your show anymore. Like, I've I've done that, and I do do that, but I'm not going to go up to someone and just like randomly tell them. Right. Also, as well, I am more inclined to, if I'm feeling myself going that way, that I might want to offer some advice or, or you know, or not advice or like just offer my th- my thoughts or feelings mm-hmm. to that person to be like, hey, why does this do this or why do you talk about this as a way of kind of like seeing if there's anything that can be gleaned from the way that I'm feeling because I know that I find that useful in other people, right? Like if someone finds themselves less interested in a show that I'm making, I am inclined to want to know about that in case that there's something that I could change which because it's affecting more people than just that one individual. Yeah. So uh, I don't use things just because my friends make them. Of course, it helps sometimes. um, But if something better comes along, something that fits me more then I would switch and I would eventually tell that person, but I wouldn't necessarily write them an immediate letter. Yeah. And to build on what you just said, if, you know, underscore comes out with some new app or some new service or something like that, I am extremely inclined to give it a shot. Like I would almost certainly try almost anything that one of my friends does, but I agree with you that, that I may try it, but that does not at all mean I will stick with it. And 
it may be that, you know, and again, I'm just picking on underscore because he's so prolific and makes so many things, but you know, underscore comes out with some new app and I'm like, Oh, I want to give that a shot. Maybe it's, let's say it's a time tracking app just for the sake of discussion. And then I might say, well, time tracking, I don't think it's for me, but I'll give it a shot and see what it's like. And maybe I try it for a few days and then I never look at it again. But it is likely I would try almost anything a friend would do, but just because a friend made it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to stick with it any more than any other app or service or whatever. Finally, uh, Isabella asks, Mike, how's learning to drive going? Casey, any tips for an adult wanting to learn to drive a manual? Let's start with the first half of that. How's learning to drive going? We haven't even thought about starting yet. You know, maybe it'll be next year, maybe it'll be next year. It will happen at some point, but we're good with not having a big project at the moment. (laughs) It's understandable. Remind me, Adina has or has not ever held a driving license? Has a valid driving license, hasn't driven in 10 years. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. I cannot imagine mm-hmm. not having driven in 10 years. I, I think the longest I've been since I've... Because you wouldn't be able to get anywhere. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, of course. There's obvious differences in our particular lifestyles that make that so clear. But I mean, just for perspective, I, I think the longest I've ever gone without driving is probably a couple of weeks, maybe. Maybe? Like in my... It's in 20 years since I've learned how to drive. I don't think I've ever gone more than like two weeks without driving. And for her, it's been 10 years. It's wild. Mm. Uh, Any tips for an adult wanting to learn how to drive manual? Uh, Yes. If you can find a truck or truck-like car that has a manual, because those tend to be much harder to stall. Uh, If you can, find one that's a piece of garbage, so you're not going to feel guilty if you do cause it to stall. And then finally, what I would recommend is learn how to get the car rolling without using the gas. So... Um, generally speaking, when you're driving a manual transmission, the way you do it is you have your left foot pushing the clutch pedal all the way in. This is when you're stopped. Left foot's putting, pushing the clutch all the way in, right foot hovering on the gas, and then you kind of seesaw, right? So you're coming off of the clutch and you're pushing onto the gas. Well, what I would recommend is if you're starting, try to figure out how to, do, how to just get rolling without using the gas at all, because that will force you to go very, very slow and it will force, and so preferably you're doing this in a parking lot, preferably an empty lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, it'll force you to do it very, very slow, and it'll teach you where it is the the car's, you know, the, the clutch's take-up point is. It'll teach you where the car is starting to go. And once you kind of get the feel for starting and stopping and starting and stopping just using the clutch, then all you have to do is make it faster by adding the gas. But you've already got the the meat of it down. So that that's what I would recommend. If you'd like to send in a question for a later episode, please send out a tweet with the hashtag RelayYourFeels, and it goes into a document for us to pick. Thank you to everybody that has. Please send any questions that may pop into your head about things you'd like to hear us talk about. Say goodbye, Casey Liss. Bye.